Welcome to the Digital Responsibility Podcast. There is a vibrant community around the world exploring how we drive forward digital innovation, products and services, and generally exploit technology progression for the sustained benefit of society and the planet. On this podcast, you will hear from me, Christopher Joynson, and Rob Price, two of the original founders of Corporate Digital Responsibility. As we speak to our guests, to hear their stories and piece together what it means to be responsible in the digital age. If you'd like to learn more, take a look at the website, corporatedigitalresponsibility.net. Welcome to the second episode of season five of the Digital Responsibility podcast. And I'm delighted to be returning to Norway tonight. Um, It it feels like it was about February when I was uh, in Oslo um, talking about CDR uh, with a number of different people, but especially the three people who are on the podcast tonight as guests. So if I can hand over to each of you to do a quick introduction of who you are, but also the organisation and the type of organisations that you represent. Pia, would you like to go first? Sure. Thanks for having us, Rob. It's really nice to um, join the conversation with you again. Um, so my name is Pia. I work uh, as a business unit manager at Bouvé, uh, a large Norwegian consultancy company in Norway within IT. Um, and um, yeah, uh, I've have uh, I have twelve years from um, public sector and uh, twenty years of different type of digital transformation projects and and roles behind me. Um, where uh, we've been trying to, um, I've, I've been trying to understand the the impact of technology on society, which has led me to this work on on corporate digital responsibility that we're talking about today. And, and really interestingly, not just in the last couple of years, but actually for the entirety of that twenty years, that was that's a concern and a, an interest for your career, really, which we'll come back yes. to no doubt in the conversation. Yes. <laughs> excellent excellent and, and life how about you yeah uh, not entirely different background i would say but uh but uh, rather so uh, still i'm an academic i'm a professor in uh, information systems at uh, the university of agda uh, in the south of uh, norway so my background has been on digitalization of the public sector for about uh, 20 years and also in the last four or five years, I've taken an interest in this uh, relationship, this blur relationship between digitalization and sustainable development. So that's also how I got interested in CDR for, um, yeah, and, so I guess what, we'll dig more into details later on. So I'll leave it at that for now. And and, and again, I remember when we were, when I was in Oslo, um, meeting students who were at the university who were, were were looking at CDR and studying CDR. So, I mean, that was fascinating from a personal point of view to see that it was a concept that was already part of the discussion, uh, even before the kind of work that clearly you've been leading, which we'll come to. Yeah, the students take a substantial interest in uh, these kinds of topics. So it seems like young people today are truly concerned with the... Uh, matters that affect their lives uh, so so yeah it's not difficult at all to engage uh, students in topics like uh, this and it's one of the things that we talk time and time again about in terms of poor enterprise businesses wanting to attract future talent 
actually understanding that mindset and what drives those decisions that's being made is is one of the critical things I think going forward. Um, Anders, how about yourself? Well, I have a kind of a, a winding path behind me. I started out as a journalist, became an editor in a in a in a magazine that I founded, a skiing and snowboarding magazine, actually, in the heydays of the internet. And we, I started getting fascinated by by the digital uh, media and the possibilities in community building. And I started uh, becoming interested in 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 the technology behind it also. And uh, yeah, I've I've done a lot of 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 stuff since that. But I was managing a design agency for for some years, uh, and then I I I sort of uh, I I had so many ideas that I wanted to create and to to make uh, into reality. So I I started working in the startup space. And I have been building a few companies now, uh, digital companies um, related to circular economy and to the carbon removal economy and to the bioeconomy uh, lately. And uh, I'm about to actually to to go into a big corporation now as a sustainability director. Uh, so I'm sort of in a in a, in a transformation myself uh, these days. Yeah. And, and and certainly I remember I was fascinated in some of the startups and, and the work that you were doing kind of in the conversation when we had. But but Christopher, it's it can't be many times when on the podcast we've had academia, consultancy, startups and enterprise business all represented on, on the same call. So uh, that's, that's a first for us. It, it is. And it's going to give us a a variety of, of lenses on this topic for for for, for Norway. Um, I've had the pleasure of visiting Norway before uh, with a former partner. Um, we went to Oslo, we went further up north to Lillehammer and saw some of the, the more rural parts of the beautiful country. Um, and I was I was interested to hear your your different lenses on which part of the impact of technology on society matters most to Norwegian citizens in your view at the moment is it the environmental side of things in the UK we've got AI uh, dystopian futures on the front of our papers what's resonating the most with the Norwegian public at the moment in the the world of digital responsibility I'm I'm thinking I've had a lot of conversations with really uh, clever people in academia, in 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 business world, and I don't think I've asked my neighbours <laughs> that often actually what they worry about. But uh, but I think uh, some of the examples that you mentioned about AI, of course, has has kind of um, made a lot of people realise that it's it's not really um, it's not a futuristic scenario anymore it's it's a very real one and, and the technology is here uh i think still there's a lot of fear and not enough knowledge um connected to a lot of the discussions that we're we're having um and i also think just taking the paradox of of uh, the generation between 15 and 25 who are very much aware of sustainability issues but are also the the largest uh, uh, community of users on social media, which is a paradox, and they they don't really uh, think about technology as part of the sustainability problem at all. That's interesting, Anders. Uh, 
Uh, I think, uh, actually, it's, it's an interesting question. I think what concerns, like, most Norwegians right now, uh, I, well, at least the debate, uh, is probably about the kids and the youth and the use of, uh, of uh, 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 like, intrusive apps and, and, uh, and uh, like, what is this doing to 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 the, the coming generation? And and we we have an upcoming local election uh, this uh, this year, and uh, I know that in many places there is a debate on a pro to prohibit uh, cell phones in public schools, um, and uh, how can public sector sort of do something about this this uh, problem? So that's that's a topic I, I know that most like the most everyday Norwegian Norwegians with a family are concerned on what these apps uh, do and there has been a lot of of, of cases on on uh, bullying and uh, mm -hmm. picture sharing and stuff like that happening uh, becoming like the, the the new reality for for the the the, the young generation sure it's I, I find it a a bit of an irony. I mean, in the UK, um, this lunchtime, I was watching the news and saw that uh, there was a, a a drive to ban vaping in schools as a, an addictive substance that, that kids shouldn't be exposed to at that age. And yet we also talk about technology and invasive impact in kind of a similar level. Um, and maybe we don't realise sometimes the, the harm that it can cause uh, in different ways. Um, so that's interesting that that's a similar discussion over there. Life. Oh, I fully agree with the, what has been said, and and also I think many people are also concerned with uh, automation. Uh, so we have, uh, so I'm sure uh, you have, or as I know you have, uh, a wave of automation uh, across many industries, um, and and one of the sectors in Norway that. Uh, we have at least two sectors that probably need to change quite quickly. Uh, a large part of our economy uh, is based on uh, oil and gas. Uh, and since we are now talking about sustainability on this uh, podcast, uh, obviously there is a need to move away from those types of energy sources. So, And that means uh, changing much of our economy, actually. So that is uh, obviously uh, concerning many people because it concerns their jobs. Uh, the other thing that we might mention in addition to what has been said already is related to healthcare. Uh, and this is also more or less a global problem. We have this wave of uh, elderly people that we have known about for many, many years. Uh, suddenly it's here. Uh, and now we are uh, seeing that uh, our health care, our health system isn't really uh, equipped to handle all these uh, people that now need care. So both those sectors need to change uh, substantially. And there is... Um, I would say some concern since this, we don't really know how this will play out. We know they need to change uh, and relatively soon. But of course, this uh, gives rise to many discussions, some concerns uh, for a number of different groups. I mean, the elderly themselves are a little bit concerned about the robots they may face in the future. And the healthcare professionals are somewhat concerned that their roles may change. Um, they know and understand that they 
probably uh, don't have the capacity to deal with all the uh, uh, work uh, that is uh, rolling over them. So, so there are changes in society um, in which digital technologies will play an important role that is uh, in the consciousness of many, I would say. And, and I think the beauty of the conversation so far is just it's it's exploring all those various different aspects of CDR. It's it isn't just about one thing. It is about the intersectionality of of all of those and how how in a sense any organisation can weigh weigh up those various consequences of the things that we do in, in a way that makes a positive impact. But Pia, you wanted to kind of add another point, I think. Yeah, thank you. Um, well, I said kind of. I introduced with saying, well, I don't think people think that much about, about it. I think a lot of people are concerned, yes, but it's more of a shoulder shrug, kind of, well, what's there to do about it? You know, it's, it's, uh, uh, there's very few, uh, a handful of people who will refuse their kids, for example, to use social media or use phones or iPads and stuff because, um in in one sense they are afraid of excluding their children from society or from social circles and so i think a lot of people feel more trapped than than concerned about how can i do something about this it's it's more of a resignation <laughs> uh sort of that i i i sense in a lot of the discussions and debates and uh, and, and, I, think and that... I think that's yeah it, some of these decisions are hard, aren't they? I mean, I, I've talked with people in the past around uh, just that very point uh, in terms of, and actually some of the expert guidance that I've heard in, in terms of mobile phones with kids is actually to not ban the use of them because they'll find another way anyway. So so it's more around supportive use rather than banning. Um, if, if we kind of pick another completely different example, deciding what car to drive, it is is a complex decision for any and any citizen to make because there's so many different kind of bits of information that are available and how do you find your path through it? So 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 they are hard decisions, um, but nonetheless, that's also the importance of being able to help people through some of those paths to be aware of the consequence of the decisions that are made. Anders, you wanted to add a point? Yeah, it's uh, just uh, uh, I just came to think that in my hometown Bergen we had just had a scandal with uh like it's, there was a system for like exposed children where it, it, there was this kind of whistleblower uh, alarm button thing that you could push uh to to notify uh, the 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 child's care uh, uh organization public organization about kids that that uh, were in somehow in a dangerous situation and it showed the system didn't work so nobody got the notification so there were, were like 30 kids that were uh sort of in 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 very bad situations and no one came to look for for, for them due to some big complex system that uh, should make things easier and safer and and there has been a lot of stories like that systems that are uh, critical 
uh, that don't work. And we we use a lot of public m money into building these monolithic systems that 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 we rely on, but they they have these sort of uh, glitches. Uh, and and I think I think that's actually uh, uh, an increasing concern how dependent we are on on systems that that no one no 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 one can have the overview over everything in that system they are so complex um and the critical but, thing with those is trust so if you lose trust because there is no response then that yeah. destroys the whole purpose of it in the first place it's why it's it was core to the to the research that Christopher and I did in 2017 digital adoption is, is driven by by consumer trust and it being a benefit for them, a benefit for their health, a benefit for the time, a benefit for the their children in that particular circumstance. Yeah, no, it's just uh, the the conversation is uh, fascinating in the sense that it uh, we are starting to explore uh, responsibility and and also to explore who needs to be responsible uh, in the digital age and and the starting point for CDR, I guess, is that. Uh, corporations and uh, the industry needs to be responsible and that's fair that's where we started also in Norway but uh, only just in this conversation we've touched upon the importance of family for instance the responsibility of families so we have actually theoretical support for uh, who or to give us some pointers of who would be the the natural actors to point that when we are exploring responsibility here because that's to me very uh, interesting who who is actually responsible in this uh, age where we have global phenomena rolling over us uh, so there are some decisions that are taken uh, at the global level that needs to be taken at the global level there are some things we can do at the national level. I don't think our politicians are very uh, sensitive and aware uh, of what they can actually control at the national level. Norway is a small country, five and a half million people. So that's uh, that's a mid-sized to large uh, city on a global scale. So, so we are small, but still we have some autonomy, of course, uh, at the national level. But then we have the local level. We have the voluntary sector, we have the public sector, we have families. Uh, so there are all these actors that uh, might benefit from sensitizing themselves about what responsibility means uh, in this day and age. And that's why one reason why this is so fascinating to me. And, and I was desperately hoping that you were going to uh, use a bit of Norwegian there, because my Norwegian pronunciation of digital Sanfun Sansvar is probably not as good as yours. But but that was the that I mean, everything you said there was the reason why actually you tweaked the manifesto slightly, didn't you? You 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 wanted that focus around digital social responsibility to recognise it's more than the corporate. Uh, we had so. If I may start, Pia, and you may uh, correct me anytime. Uh, I, I, we discussed that, and and we really like that corporations or part of the industry uh, is aware of the responsibility, aware of the changes it is uh, they are contributing to on society. Uh, but we also thought that uh, it's it's not fair to put the whole responsibility on uh, on the industry. Because uh, the industry is, of course, uh, commercial. It exists to create jobs. So there will naturally be a conflict of interest at some point. Uh, 
And I think all of us in the panel are quite aware of this. Uh, so we quickly thought, let's use a slightly different name. Let's call it digital societal responsibility. Uh, because that will signal uh, that there is a need for more actors here. If we are really going to make a change at the society level, we need to involve the public sector. Uh, and we are doing that uh, in Norway at the moment. We are, And the public sector responds very positively, uh, as has industry done, I would say. So, so that's. I think that was important for us to broaden the scope a little bit and see what happens. Uh, and we... We haven't uh, finished that job. That is work in progress. So it will be really interesting to explore this further with uh, public organizations and see if there eventually will be maybe a slightly different uh, flavor of uh, CDR coming out of that. What uh, Life says is, um, uh, is accurate. And <clears throat> I just want to add that um, when we talk about corporations in Norway, we, we don't use the corporate word that often, but organizations, and, and there's all sorts of different organizations, and all organizations have to somehow take on a responsibility and also um, um, be able to um, have concrete actions and steps that they take. So you, because an organization is uh, consists of the procedures and processes and roles and and that kind that is the way we take responsibility and so uh when we when we kind of started discussing this we we, we realized also that the SDGs and ESG and 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 people planet profit and all of these kind of large collections uh, mm -hmm. of understanding sustainability are on such a high level that it's difficult for an organization to understand what should we ad uh, adopt to. And there's lots of demands on organizations today on reporting and uh, and verifying how they do their business and who they do their business with, of course, um, in terms of sustainability. But there's not that many guidelines to kind of tell them what do you actually do in practice? Uh, what kind of um, evaluations or uh, uh, d dilemmas should you think about when you um, when you use data and digital technologies, and that that's also the reason why we saw this as a societal responsibility because you need to see yourself in connection to all the other organizations. I think so. It's, it's great that you've challenged that sense of where does the responsibility lie. It's been an ongoing discussion, especially in our work today, about what responsibility each of those actors plays, whether it be the regulators, etc. So it's really interesting that you've come to that kind of mindset around maybe making it broader and acknowledging that in the name. Um, some of the standout performers in this domain have tended to be startups and those that are able to work with the kind of nimbleness to um, rebrand themselves and focus on some of those macro issues. And I wondered, Anders, if you had any particular uh, experiences or examples of, of that being the case for yourself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, but just on on the on the the, the corporate uh, or versus uh, societal responsibility, sort of. Like like well like this this wording uh, in in the Norwegian manifesto, it's kind of interesting that 
Uh, Norway is uh, known for a very high level of trust in government and also known for a very high uh, digital maturity in public sector and with a lot of open APIs and a lot of sort of interaction, uh, digital interaction between businesses and and public sector. And that was both ways, actually. Uh, So it's kind of interesting to 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 include uh, municipalities for instance they have a lot of of, of important data uh, uh for businesses uh and uh, and uh, will also have to have digital strategies and they and they have a lot of data on citizens as well so so i think what the manifesto is is very very good uh sort of a, a directional for how public sector also should think about their management of, of, of data but but I think uh, and in this intersection between business and public sector there are a lot of, of innovation these days in, in Norway uh, there are many examples uh, I, per, I I worked actually uh, personally with a like a circular economy startup I wanted to we started out making how can we make public waste services uh, 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 incentivize recycling through how we pay the public fee. So it's like uh, a, 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 a new public fee that actually measures the amount of residual waste versus uh, uh, plastics and other uh, fractions that are sorted out. And you pay for the residual waste and you don't pay for, for what's sorted out. And we had to measure it. We had to work with IoT. We had to build a new data structure. We had to, to connect this data to individual ho- households. Uh, and we took that out in the private sector, in the real estate. Uh, and we sort of changed the way uh, real estate uh, can price their waste, internal waste service. And we with amazing results, actually. It's a, it's a company called Carrot. Um, uh, and but w- what's interesting is that we actually started out as a private public startup with with the public uh, publicly owned company waste company uh, owning more than half the, the shares in this company. So it sort of started out within the public sector, and then it turned out to become a scale up uh, with venture capital. So it's it, it's a really funny story actually. But and there are other stories like there's a company called Seven Analytics that work with with topographical data about the, the 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 geographical structure of the landscape uh, in cities and uh, and publicly available climate uh, projections, local climate projections, and they use Unity, a gaming platform, uh, to to simulate where the water uh, in extreme uh, rainfall uh, kind of events will gather in the city so they can have like as a climate risk analytical tool that combines a lot of available technologies using public data Uh, so they are in on the the sort of global scale up uh, phase now so i I found this this and i think norway is a really good sandbox for that kind of innovation because of the trust and because of the quality of the data and the data exchange culture we have in the in the country. So it's it's kind of interesting that this debate is broadened to to sort of include both corporations and, and public bodies. 
I think it's uh I think Anders is talking also about uh, an important thing that I uh that we I think we should talk even more about which are the the kind of the, the non-sustainable business models or or sustainable business models um and and the part of thinking about a societal responsibility is also that this is a systemic issue it's a systemic uh approach we need to make changes in and 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 kind of saying well i don't want to do business like that is is, is almost impossible in within the system that we the the, the the capitalism works um and um and kind of uh having uh having good partnerships like between the public sector and startups uh, and academia and uh, making like research based and and publicly funded business models that actually fly and work uh is of utmost importance uh and i think um i think we have to um, also make a bigger effort of saying that we created the system so we can also change them instead of to kind of just do the what can I do about it let me just do what works what has worked for everyone else because it seems to make them uh, wealthy <laughs> you can make a lot of money if you do it like that but we kind of changing that pivoting that I think is, is um, a vital part of um, digital responsibility it's it's I, I smile only in the sense that it's one of the things that I battled with um, through the early work that we did around CDR, which is as a technologist, I ended up talking about economic models, which I didn't feel qualified to talk about, except you are naturally led to how do you create an environment where actually there is a greater awareness and a greater uh, societal cohesion around the decisions that are made. So, So I'm interested to understand how you found the experience in the last three months or four months of engaging with public sector and private sector organisations, large organisations, small organisations, academia, what engagement, what interest, and, and how perhaps you're planning to move things forward. Because you rightly said you're building on the framework it's and that was the intent the framework and sharing the framework across the world was in, intended as a kickstart it, it wasn't intended as the answer so so I'm interested to hear a bit more about that uh life how how about from your perspective what are you seeing we most probably we uh, hear the positive uh, feedback on this. Uh, having said that, uh, the feedback that we do get uh, is then uh, it's 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 very positive, both from uh, the uh, private side and also from the public sector side. And very concretely, the feedback that I am getting, at least, is that this CDR framework, the principles, this is a very nice way of putting sustainability work into a framework that is understandable and at least to a certain degree actionable. Uh, so I think what we need to do in the future, uh, at least in Norway, is to fill this with some good local examples so that we um, can actually inspire others so that when they say, okay, there's a need to, for ethical considerations, how do we do that? Uh, we need the good examples. Uh, we need the good examples on business models, for instance, uh, the transition into a more circular economy. So Anos and I were recently involved in a, a very interesting project, in my opinion, from the Norwegian government side to 
to explore uh, the possibilities in transitioning to a circular economy. And this is wickedly complex uh, and very data intensive. Uh, and I, I, you know, it's very easy to say that we need to transition into a more uh, circular economy, uh, but we actually need a digital infrastructure in place to to grease the wheels. And we also, at least in a transition phase, I think we need some government stimulation to to enable this. So. I think uh, the next step uh, now for us is obviously to mobilize uh, public sector organizations, sensitize them about their role. They have a strong sense of responsibility in the public sector, but I think we can challenge uh, their own understanding of responsibility with this these uh, CDR principles because they are in some ways wider uh, and more holistic uh, than, than what, uh, at least in my understanding, government uh, officials tend to understand their responsibility. Then we need the good examples. Then we need to mobilize people and uh, and, and tell, um, share the good stories. And, and I think stories are so important, so vital to understand what emergent best practice is, where people have done something that has had fundamental transformation and change but you make a really good point there is that it has to be seen as relevant to the local environment as well so so able to work for them in their market in their geography in their sphere of responsibility and um, what, what what do you think would be most helpful to to, to you as a team to um, to Norway, it, from from the broader community across the rest of the world, to feed into that process. So, is it about more freight, more um, executionable uh, models, frameworks, plans, products? What 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 would be the most valuable input from others listening to this? If you'd got your top five wish list. I haven't sorted them in a top five list, but <laughs> but um, a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of the feedback also that we get is about the lack of um, policies, uh, lack of politics <laughs> uh, within this uh, framework. It's I mean technology. We make digitization strategies and then we make sustainability strategies, but. How do we make sure that these actually intersect uh, in the right way uh, and uh, and create an environment where you, if you ask a sustainability director, not necessarily you, Hunters, but if you ask a sustainability director, like who's in charge of the, the, the sustainable way of using or the responsible way of using your technology in your company, most people would just point at the IT guy and ask them. Uh, and, and that needs to stop. Uh, uh, and, and of course, there's a few really good examples out there, but there's so many organizations, companies that haven't even started thinking about this. So, so a bit more on the policymaking side and, and, getting those politicians also to be interdisciplinary uh, in the approach. So that's one um, part of it. Anders, anything that you'd build on that? Yeah, I think it's uh, interesting. I think uh, Leif's got a good, great point with uh, the, the sort of cases, like the stories, the specific uh, stories about companies or someone is doing something in a new way or or, or a sort of uh, uh, challenging themselves to based on some eth ethical standards they want to 
to comply with and and also asking themselves critical questions and 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 doing something about it i i think to open up that conversation and also to open up that conversation that this can be really difficult especially for large corporations and be open on that and i think to to create these uh these uh, arenas where people can meet uh, and and to make the change makers within individual in the individual change makers meet across or different organizations i think that's really crucial to to create that kind of web of of people that that work towards this and understand these principles and try to 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 to, to put them to work in in their respective uh, workplaces uh, but but i think um i think uh, there are the specifics the, the the specific examples but also the wider discussion the the maturity in in how we talk about these things and i think that's a good thing in my my eyes uh, with the, with this manifesto that it it's sort of a, a a big framing but it's also very specific uh, so it works in in both di- those dimensions uh, so that that's that's uh, that makes it it's quite uh, powerful actually and and Leif, did you want to add something to that? Yeah, I I, I think uh, what I would really like is, uh, I mean, there are some paradoxes. Uh, that is why we are discussing this. This is not easy. If it was easy, we would have uh, solved this a long time ago. So there are some underlying tensions that we need to understand. So I would really like to get a good overview of what are the paradoxes. I mean, growth, for instance, we have been uh, having... Uh, a dominant logic that everything can grow uh, into heaven, as we say in Norway. That's probably not going to happen. Uh, and so, how do we deal with that? Um, and and those kinds of paradoxes. How do we deal? What are they? How do we deal with them? And and what are the good actions that will actually lead to change? That will have an effect. That would be wonderful to to get uh, from the international community. And that's something we hope to contribute to as well. Excellent. And and I think, in a sense, it's still early days, isn't it? I mean, it's it's one of those things that it it's still an embryonic framework. It's still finding its way. And at the same time, we need all the answers tomorrow because it's urgent. Um, so 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 I think my final question, and, and we're probably in the 10, 15 seconds per answer, but I want to go around each of you, is if we're doing this again in six months time, what's the one thing that you hope you'll have kind of managed to achieve in the work that you're doing? To begin to feel as though you're making a difference in my new job in a corporation i, I would like uh, the management uh, top management uh, to to know about cdr and to to sort of go into that uh, in in this new uh, role that i'm i'm about to enter fantastic answer i like that one pia uh well i i already have a sort of top management uh, um eyes on this subject so so within um uh, I, I hope that we will i hope our customers will come and ask us how we can actually help them with uh, uh understanding these dilemmas or just uh, advice and talk about them um that they're aware of this because i think consultancy companies we we give we provide the market what the market asks us uh to provide yeah. and and it's what it's a it's a dilemma for us yeah. <laughs> we want some change we want to show kind of um a, a different path maybe but uh, but we also need those um uh, customers out there
um yeah so i feel like i i work uh on two missions uh, in a way also one on behalf of uh go for it and and other companies and and i hope that um we will be able to have a a, a map uh, somehow of uh, examples and good practice within each of these different principles uh, gathered from different uh, public uh, sector organizations, but also uh, private organizations and kind of making it even more tangible what we actually um, are trying to do with uh, corporate digital responsibility or digital something on slide, as we say. I, I, you see, I knew you'd say it better than I did. <laughs> I so think you did you. really good, Rob. <laughs> no, that was that was much better. Life, how about you? Yeah, I, I, in terms of concrete uh, actions in the next six months, uh, two things I would say, or three things. Obviously, within the university, there's a lot to be done in courses and study programs. That's one thing. Uh, another thing is the work that Pia and I are doing now with mobilizing the uh, public sector organizations in Norway. That's typically that's something we want to um to to complete to 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 uh, make arrangements for how public organizations can work with uh, responsible digitalization uh, and as part of that work and also as part of the work pia mentioned with getting these maps with the good examples and all of that uh, we want to feed that into the process that is has just started in norway by making a new national digitalization strategy so we have a, a quite clear ambition of uh, of feeding these ideas uh, and sharing them with the people that uh, that uh, develop this strategy, and hopefully, parts of uh, the manifesto and the ideas in the manifesto can also become visible in the digitalization strategy, the next uh, strategy in Norway. Fantastic, and and I think. As you've as you've talked, one of the things that I should perhaps also flag is a podcast that we're doing in about a month's time, which is with um, an organisation in Italy and an organisation in Romania, and it's looking at this um, interreg EU funded research around CDR across seven countries, and that's public sector and policy based organisations, and I think that's. That for me is also fascinating because it's again that point around how can different countries understand the research and the investigation and what the, the useful assets that come out of each of these pieces of work and share and accelerate. So so I'll try and make sure to feed that to you as well to try and make sure that there's this uh, community uh, of, of stories and best practice that emerges. Uh, but thank you. That I mean, brilliant conversation. I've I've loved it. I I thoroughly enjoyed my time uh, with you in Oslo, and it's great to see, as I've seen regularly on LinkedIn, the continued work of the community that you're all involved in. Uh, but Christopher, I'm conscious that this is the first time that uh, you've been part of the conversation. So, any any final thoughts from yourself? It, it's been quite brilliant, and I've um, really enjoyed actually how how mature your thinking is and to your point earlier Anders how much of an opportunity Norway presents for you guys to to run so that the rest of us can follow in a lot of these practices um, and and create some of those examples that we were looking for personally the thing I'd like to see in the next few months and years is for 
a peer's neighbours and my neighbours to stop shrugging their shoulders and be able to point to the real examples of those who are responsible in our society standing up and doing something. And that would be amazing when we can make that happen. Thank you so much for joining us today. It's been it's been fascinating, like I say. Um, and we look forward to hearing more, um, hopefully, when we ne next get the chance to speak. So thank you, Anders, Peer, Life. Thank you, everyone. It's really valuable from our thank side, or from my side at least, to, to have an international community and, and develop ideas together. So thank you for having us.